Welcome to Reading and Ranting, where we read obsessively and rant about life in our 20s. I'm Carly. And I'm Mia. And you guys, we did it. We have survived the release of House of Flame and Shadow. Before we go any further, in case this isn't painfully obvious, there will be spoilers for the entirety of this book, as well as Akatar and Throne of Glass. So if you haven't already, please come back and um, once you've finished reading. So this was the first Sarah J. Mass book that Carly and I have had to wait for the release for, and boy, did it deliver. But of course, we're going to get into all the nooks and crannies with our overall thoughts, initial reactions, and moments that made us scream. In classic fashion, we're also currently experiencing not only a book hangover from finishing this book, but a real-life hangover. So let's get into it. All right. So many reactions, overall thoughts, and takeaways for this one. I think primarily, and I think this goes for me and I, it was not what we expected. Like, it met expectations. House of Flame and Shadow met expectations, but it was not what I was expecting at all. Um, I definitely thought there'd be 10 times more crossover. And Mia did point out, she was like, it wouldn't be a Crescent City book if this book primarily took place in Prithian and Bryce didn't get reunited with everyone until, like, the end. But... For some reason, I at least even imagined her being in Prithian for like half of this book. And the crossover was just very small. Um, And I think especially because Crescent City 2 ended on the on the like note of the crossover. And then it was like, um, you know, cliffhanger. I totally thought that would be so like such a primary, you know, underlying theme in this book. But it wasn't. Um, But like the plot points, again, they weren't what we're expecting, but they were similar. And I will say this wasn't my favorite SJM book. Like, obviously, it was screaming, crying, throwing up, reading it. But, like, I think in terms of Crescent City, I think Crescent City 2 is actually my favorite. Because especially rereading it before House of Flame and Shadow, I was, like, screaming my head off. Um, So I just think that one was probably my fave. What about you, Mia? Yeah, I would agree. I think Crescent City 2 has definitely been my favorite out of the three. But for House of Flame and Shadow, I think... It was, like, interesting because, like, as I was reading, it was, like, all of the plot points that I, like, kind of imagined, but she just went about it in such a different way. And, like, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. Like, it definitely, like, it did – it didn't have me, like, on the edge of my seat as much. Um, Mm -hmm. It it moved, like, so fast and was so action-driven, but then, like, it wasn't really like gripping me. Like if anything, I was like yeah. kind of overwhelmed by how fast it was moving. Exactly. So yeah, I know like the info dump for sure with this four chapter monologue from Thea's daughter, Celine, and we'll get more into this. I didn't necessarily like mind the info dump, but it was so much information and done in such a way that it was literally just straight up told to you. Like, it was a yes. it was a tell and not show style of writing, which I understand exactly. because there was so much information to cover that she was trying to confirm, but it just wasn't how I imagined all of that lore getting explained. So yeah. it's like this like interesting kind of paradox for me. Yeah. That book. I completely agree. Like it was so fast and action driven. It wasn't gripping me, like you said. So I sometimes would just need to close the book to kind of like absorb the content, but also I think like I would get kind of like not like bored, but just kind of like, you know, 
if I'm really gripped by a book, like I cannot put it down for this one. I kind of was like, after maybe an hour or two of reading, I was like, I'm going to put it down. Like I just like, I'm not really into it right now anymore after like two hours of it. So I'm going to like put it down and then like come back versus like Akatar books, throwing a glass, like those, like I'm up all night finishing them. And I did think again, like these monologues, like Celine's monologue, basically revealing like so many theories that we had going into this book, the like tea party that like, I say that ironically, but when Hunt and Rice went into tech, like they technically just their minds were in like the, um, the hell world with the princes of hell and they were just sitting around literally described as them sitting around in a circle and then the princes were just like revealing all this information like I just kind of felt like exactly like you said the way that it was tell not show was kind of like a cop-out um like in throne of glass Elin was piecing together like a treasure map like basically that was kind of like the vibe of it like she was there was discoveries hidden around every corner versus this one it was just like all of a sudden it was all told to you and I was like oh wow did not expect for this to be revealed so quickly and like the way it was um but you know I mean like you said I think it could have been done in a better way but there also was so much content to get out there that like we couldn't really waste time necessarily searching for every like theory and confirmation yeah definitely and I I mean I think with that like I was just imagining more involvement from the inner circle in this kind of process. Like, they, it really felt like they were barely in it. We didn't see Feyre, which was no like, not- confusing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get like, I guess the plot point is that she was protecting Nyx, but like, yeah. I didn't understand like why like Cassian and Feyre weren't in- as involved in Resand. Um, and like, I was kind of like. It makes sense to the inner circle. Like, their number one priority is going to be protecting Valaris and protecting the Night Court and protecting Prithian. But, like, the way that they were so, like, hell-bent on making Bryce, like, an enemy. Um, yeah, And, like, obvi- like, obviously, like, yes, like, Bryce is, like, not being entirely honest. But, like, she's literally in a foreign world and they're threatening to torture her in a torture chamber. Like, what is she mm-hmm. supposed to do? Yeah. Or, like... She- obviously it's revealed that Reese can also read minds and even though he you know said he wouldn't do it against his will like he still put it out there the fact that he could read a mind and if he really wanted to he could just find out the information himself and like read her mind so yeah we were just kind of shocked like from all the actor books you would think that if they heard that like a realm with like Faye in it were struggling and like fighting against these like higher powers that were evil they'd be jumping at the chance as these really powerful people to like help them um but then yeah like you said like Bryce kind of like came like became like an enemy um and also Bryce was totally mistrusting of them and I guess it makes sense for her to mistrust them but I like foresaw it as Bryce being introduced in the world and being like wow these fae are really nice and like trusting them and that's just not how it went at all yeah I do think what's, like, beautiful, though, is she realizes and, like, what she describes, like, Nesta as, like, basically Bryce being this kind of, like, third-party observer of the Akatar characters and especially Nesta. Like, the way she describes her as a warrior, she's, like, this is a fae female that, like, couldn't prove that there are good fae people out there mm-hmm. as opposed to the fae on Midgard that she thinks are just, like, selfish and self-righteous and, like, obviously, like, um, like her dad, the Autumn King and everything – so 
it was like that was sweet in a way like just like watching like Nesta and Bryce's interactions had me like giggling and kicking my feet yeah Um, we all knew they'd be besties like we just foresaw it (laughs) they're too similar yes for sure um but I do think like Bryce it it went it went in a way that like made sense but it still like wasn't necessarily what I thought but like Bryce stealing truth teller and like like opening the sarcophagus with the Asteri and like basically like lying to Azriel and Nesta and then just opening the portal and yeeting the fuck out of there like (laughs) that wasn't necessarily how I thought that was gonna go yeah not at all like and I know that eventually Bryce comes back and kind of like makes peace with like Nesta and Azriel but Loki like when she left Nesta and Azriel were like fuck this bitch like they did not I don't think they would be like, yeah, this Bryce person who showed up from a different world was, like, our favorite girl. <laughs> like, Yeah. They were beefing. But, like, with that, like, then, like, when they do show up again and Nesta gives Bryce the mask, like, I thought that was going to be the turning point where all of them are, like, we're, j- we're coming into this battle with you. Like, we're going to fight with you. Because, like, I it it is weird to me to think that the inner circle, like we said – didn't want to join this fight when Bryce is literally telling them like this is the Daglin and they want to reinvade your lands like I don't understand how Reese was like well then you should never have opened this portal in the first place like close it right now like I feel like the reason I thought he was like would have wanted to protect people and it's interesting to me that like we don't see any of Feyre's point of view because norm like Feyre is like the bleeding heart like literally died to save everyone under the mountain and like they were willing to lay down their lives against the king of Hybern to protect all the innocents like yeah it, it was just confusing to me why they wouldn't have like been more supportive once they learned all of that like obviously yes like the scheming and the lying and whatever whatever like I understand that there had to be like that trust built but then once Nesta was willing to give her the mask and then like reason literally being like fuck you like you had no right like yeah it's just like the scene where you can see Reese is like the black like cloud of smoke kind of coming through the window and they're like you better leave before Reese gets here and he's gonna like kill you I was just like what like yeah although, i don't think the crossover was just unanticipated yeah although bryce did say something interesting where she was like that power like i i never felt anything like it except perhaps from an asteri like not recent <laughs> casually being as powerful as an asteri like shit yeah yeah lots to find out there but that will be an akatar 5 you know reveal as likely and of course you can expect me and I to be preparing for that even though we do probably have a full year prior um but just like last key takeaway from this um at the end and like these are more of our like negative takeaways because of course we act we did enjoy the book and then we'll get into some of our other reactions which are when me and I were actually like giggling kicking our feet you know but last thing was just we almost felt like it wrapped up too easily. Like if you have read Act War, that is such an action-packed book. And like this ending war scene against like the King of Highburn and like everyone's dying. Like it's gory, it's gruesome, and the like there's so much like anticipation before it. This fight happened so quickly. Like Bryce took down the Asteris so easily almost. And I know she almost like died and went through the black hole, but she came yeah. back to life pretty easily. It didn't really last that long. Like there weren't that many casualties. So 
just yeah. kind of crazy. Like it, it ended really quickly. And it was only like, I think it was only like the last like 15% of the book. Yeah. You know? No, yeah. The like last kind of like their last stand, like their last battle was just very quick. I felt like, um, like as far as the conflict got, like we didn't really get details of like, it's like, oh, like the princes of hell are fighting off the Assyri. I'm like, okay, so the three princes of hell are facing all five remaining Assyri and holding them at bay. Like, I want to see that power. Like, what are they? Like, what? Yeah. Uh, and like, just, yeah, like I thought it was interesting that it wrapped up like just like so quickly. And also this blew my mind. All of all of the entire plot of this book happened in the span of a week. Like, no longer yeah. than a few days from it Bryce was, Laning and Prithian being there for like whatever, like two, three days coming it was back way too quick, like four or five days, like peace and love, like Rune, Baxian, and Hunt being in the fucking dungeons getting tortured for five days when Aelin was getting tortured for two months alone. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's why that's what saying. the timing it was just so quick like yeah. this definitely could have taken and i know that realistically these siri wouldn't have kept them in the dungeons for like a month like they probably would have died by that point um but yeah, yeah it's it just, just like again like it crazy. moved so quickly like they went from the dungeons to being broken out to going to avalon to going to <laughs> like back to yeah like too much like, going on even the travel yeah. time between all of them like yeah. would take longer but yeah so. anyways just some of our our general reactions there but let's yeah. get into some of our like reactions that actually did like make us scream first we'll start off with as you mentioned the dungeon part we do love how rune tries to make light of a really shitty situation like these um scenes of rune Baxian and Hunt getting tortured are really gruesome, actually, and they're really sad. But Narun being like, "Want to hear a joke?" Two angels and a fae prince walk into a dungeon, and then they all just lose it. And I totally understood what they they were like half crying, half laughing, because like that is only me. Like if I'm uncomfortable, I just like start laughing in like the worst situation ever. So, but that was so funny. But also, I was like, "Poor boys." Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I I did think it was sweet that it showed like how much they how far they really came. Like Rune and Hunt really seeing each other as brothers, like Baxian making gross, but like Baxian making the sacrifice to bite off Rune. Oh yeah, the so hand didn't have to do tough. that. I was like, oh, we're really going there. Okay. And the way that they're like so battered already, and they have to like their hands are literally being held up by like chains, and they have to swing to even get to each other. So literally, Baxian's like swinging to Rune to bite off his hand. Yeah, it was it was just tough all around. Um, yeah. But then, of course, our girl Lydia came and she broke them out of the dungeons um you know that was an epic scene flynn and um i almost said mark flynn and declan come and rescue them like it was a great rescue mission for sure yeah and like not lydia single-handedly organizing all of that pulling off an insanely unhinged plan you know who it sounds like miss aelin the ash river galathinius but i thought like this moment for lydia like was so important to the character development because I'm like the fact that she was obviously like willing to sacrifice all that for Rune and everyone and fighting against the Siri while they still like didn't really trust her um Mm -hmm. and then like her literally like sacrificing herself like getting shot and falling off the cliff like after getting them to the depth charger like running away from Mordok 
in her deer form. Um, also, her getting the queen of the fire sprites involved, Erethus, Erethus, literally broke my heart about how she was like, Bryce told me, like a friend told me about Lahaba's sacrifice that saved her life. Like, I know that the sprites can make a difference. I mm -hmm. literally had me sobbing. I'm If Lahaba has no fans, I'm dead. So any, yeah. any mention of no. her has me crying. Lydia's just told the whole thing she did to break them out, like, really, like, you know, made her a favorite in my books. And I know she's obviously a very mor morally gray character. Um, but after that, I was like, I love this girly. But then Rune took a while to actually, like, get on her good side. But I did think it was kind of funny how, of course, even when she rescued them, he was like, I want her to be safe and not die. Like when she got shot or when mm -hmm. she fell off the cliff, he was like, Therian, go there right now and help her. Um, Cause like he had obviously their mates. So his mating bond is like screaming at him, her to not die, even though he's still mad at her. But then I did feel like he kind of forgave her like pretty quickly after that. Um, yeah. So yeah. even that was like a really fast progression for him being like, I hate you and I loathe you and I never want to see you again to then all of a sudden being like, I love you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I do love them. Like, I love Day and mm -hmm. Night and their banter and development in Crescent City 2. But, like, yeah, just, like, generally, like, on the topic of Lydia, I think she was, like, my overall MVP of this book. Like, she was my mm -hmm. favorite character in this book, which is such a switch up from the first two where, like, I mean, Bryce still has my heart. Like, I loved Bryce throughout this book, obviously. But I thought that Lydia was just so crucial and critical to this entire book and the plot moving forward and her character development and Rune's character development and like the whole kind of group Loki like when Ethan calls them a pack he's like we're a pack I was like oh my baby I know yes the found family trope really came out in this one yeah. um and then speaking of family the reveal, this had me screaming when we find out that Lydia has two teenage twin sons. Crazy. And then on top of that, one of them is named Bran, and then it's revealed to be Brannon. Like, after the fucking king in Erlea. Yeah. So related to Aelin, the firebringer. I screamed. So, like, when I, when I read Bran, I was, like, hmm, it had me tingling, but, that like, Spidey sense is tingling, but oh, I, like, I, didn't want to get – I, like, didn't <laughs> want to get ahead of myself. Like, I didn't want to, like, get my hopes up. And then when I read Brannon, I actually, like, screamed. Like, I cried, like, tears in my eyes. There's literally a video on our TikTok at Reading Ranting Pod if you guys want to go watch it. Um, And I literally freaked out, and then – describing her fire as like wildfire like as powerful as Aelin I just you guys yes I, and the way that she always had the fire even before she took the like antidote to like the um parasite that the Steri put in the water she always knew she had this fire and just hit it like crazy and then talking about how in her like ancestral line they you know honored the stag and that's why like her father was like a famous stag shifter and she's a deer in the hind just all connected yeah. and it really made me want those thrown of glass crumbs that we didn't really get but you know what at least we got that yeah also her kind of like explaining the way that the boys were conceived like cal and my like the great right like so interesting because she's like oh yeah it was just like a right that we performed like that was like a my father's household 
So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely confirmed. I think that she's descended from Aelin or the Galathiniuses in some form, related to the Galathiniuses in some form. Yeah, uh, maybe like a distant cousin. Yeah. Well, I I really think direct descendant because the she whole the thing ring. with Aelin's the whole thing with Aelin's wildfire is like Mala's line bred true. Like mm-hmm. I don't think sh- there would have been like a cousin like. Her wildfire took 2,000 years to reappear in their bloodline with Aelin. So, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. the ring, the ruby ring that, you know, um, Rowan has. Yeah, it's like Rowan's wedding band. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, and then, like, not – this is – sorry, not on the topic of Lydia, but on the topic of Throne of Glass, Crumbs – the Underking being described as, like, a barrel – a barrow white – like the way he's like, I lived in hills and like as a white. I was like, what the fuck? I think I literally yeah. have a note in my Kindle, like an annotation that just says, what the fuck? I I'm so glad the Under King is dead. Like getting ahead of myself, but that man creeped me the fuck out. Yeah, he was a loser. Yeah, <laughs> loser. Um, but okay. Then, like, well, let's just talk about all the sacrifices in this book. Um, first of all, Jessica's lore coming out to Ethan about how she was a priestess of the lost city of Parthos. And that's why she's been running with the books from there, which basically have all this like scientific information. It has information of like the humans and, you know, and also it being revealed that there was humans, but there were magical creatures because the mayor were on Midgard mm-hmm. before this dairy came with all the fae, whatever. But like, we find out so much and literally she's this like 15,000 year old human who then like, basically got um powers from prince napoleon accidentally like giving her powers and that's why she's been immortal this entire time and just like no one you know everyone thought she was a witch and then that she defected to the house of flame and shadow but she's actually just been this like priestess who's been protecting these books for yeah centuries and um, like the arcasian amulet coming from the priestesses mm-hmm. and like that's what they wore and the library and yeah and then like all of that lore and like because that obviously like that was one of my big series i was like jessica's background like is gonna have to be explained in house of flame and shadow yeah um so one i'm of his so background glad we that we got get it yuri axitar yes no i was actually so upset at the lack of fury in this book i'm like it just it feels like I think somebody commented this on a TikTok of mine a couple of days ago. Somebody was like, "It feels like I overstudied for the exam. Like there were parts on the exam, that, <laughs> like there I studied for parts on the exam that weren't even on the that exam. weren't even on there." A hundred. And Fury was like, one of the biggest. Fury was one of the biggest ones for me because I was like, she's literally named mm-hmm. Fury, like a a, a fate of yeah. like the prince of hell like i don't know i thought there was gonna be so much more fury in this book that was well, upsetting for sure before we got to see but yeah. back to the sacrifice part of it but obviously we find out jessica's lore then in the end so bryce like goes through she basically um through the star sword and um truth teller forms the portal to nowhere and then they're falling through this black hole with all the asteri and she like dies but jessica in the afterworld um hypaxia is able to do this right and like trade jessica's like i don't know immortality for bryce so that jessica dies and she's like i'm i've been ready to die when and she said she'd be ready to die when the book she knew the books were like going to be protected so she gives up her life for bryce and then also shahar 
Hunt's first love, part of the Fallen, also not the Fallen all being like resurrected and like fighting against the Asteri, which is crazy. But Shahar, when Hunt goes into one of like the tech med tech suits or whatever they're called, um, to go into the black hole and try to save Bryce, Shahar literally like goes with him and like sacrifices herself in order to help Hunt save Bryce. So, so all the sacrifices in this book were great. Yeah, no, the the ending scene with Jezba, when Jezba says, oh, Quinlan, I literally was like, nope, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm done. Everyone's like, I didn't even think you cared about her. And she's like, it's so hard to find a competent assistant. Yeah, I love that part. Um, Yeah, Yeah. Jezba was, she's a, you know, she's a cunty girl boss. What else can we say about her? Um, But there was a point, guys, we'll move into like our Ethan reactions so the entire time, like, I was just like, who is this man's me? And even going into this book, me and I were like, Ethan deserves more. Like, obviously, Bryce is with Hun. He was secretly in love with Bryce. But, like, he's lost his brother, Connor. Like, he just needs something to happen. Also, the Connor scene when they finally see each other and then Connor, like, sacrifices himself to put himself into that bullet for Bryce. Like, that really had me, like, in my feels. Like, not um ethan having to see have have to lose connor like twice but at least he got to see him but at one point because we know i thought sigrid the lost fender heir slash alpha would be his mate like that i just thought that was gonna be the end like ethan saved her from the mystics you know like she's becoming kind of part of the like you know the frat house with declan and flynn and the sprites um and then Ethan accidentally kills her, literally decapitates her, which was so out of left field. Literally. And then she becomes a fucking reaper Yeah, when he tried to bring her back. And again, we're like, stop trying to bring people back from the dead for the love of God, Ethan. Stop it, please. It's never gone well for you. Yeah. Every, every, the whole plotline with Sigrid, not what I had in mind. Just not what I had in mind. Like, I knew in my heart of hearts that Ethan was meant to be prime. Like, I knew that that was going to be his fate and his plotline. But I thought, like, in a way that, like, they would be mates and, like, remake the Order of the Wolves, if that makes sense. But so, yeah, like, Sigrid turning into a Reaper, not on my bingo card in the slightest. Yeah. And also, just like, Ethan and Therian were definitely just like, in a competition for who could be the biggest fuckhead this entire yeah oh i i I vote therian i thought ethan was just doing what he needed to but at the same time yeah it's like stop trying to resurrect people but with the jessica thing like i just was like any girl he interacted with i was like who is his mate so at one point when he like became jessica's like new assistant because he ran to like the house of flame and shadow i was like is jessica his mate like so out of left field then i was like is apaxia his mate and i know obviously she was dating celestina like secretly so she like is into girls but i was like i don't know maybe she's into boys too like i just was trying to meet him with anyone that existed but yeah i mean the whole lore of him like becoming the prime like he was so desperate to resurrect um use like hypaxia's necromancy powers to resurrect sigrid and just like apologize to her and like make her become like the prime of the wolves i'm like babe look in a mirror and just see that you're the prime like he kept talking about that he needed like a fair wolf who was powerful go but then it's like you're powerful like it just I he was just driving me crazy with that I'm like can you just admit that you actually 
are like worthy. Thank you. Um, and then the last thing, when he takes the antidote from Hypaxia and all of a sudden gets like these ice powers, me and I were talking about how, of course, like I do think it's really cool that now he has like elemental magic, but ice was kind of random for him. Like I wouldn't see his power being fire, but ice just didn't really fit with his personality. I don't know. I just like associate ice power with Dorian and Ethan and Dorian are not very similar in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I associate ice powers with just, like, being kind of, like, cold-hearted slash, like, hardened. And, like, Ethan is such a bleeding heart. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Ice ice was kind of out of left field. But obviously love that nod to the Throne of Glass world with the shifters having the elemental magic. Yeah. Um, So, like, that was was good to see. But, yeah. So, like, then with – have him working with Hypaxia when they go confront the Underking in the Bone Quarter and then Hypaxia, him freezing the Underking and Hypaxia smashing him. And then Hypaxia becomes the head of the House of Flame and Shadow. Like, yeah, and she's stopping the sailings. No more sailings. Like, no more second light. Um, but yeah, Hypaxia, you know, it is kind of, I do, that's another, like, question. Like, what's going to happen happen with the witches? Because she obviously got pushed out of, like, the witches as, like, they wanted to kill her. And then she defected to House of Flame and Shadow in order to live. And now she's the lead. But I feel like in the next book, we might see something's happen with her and the witches and, like, trying to, like, get that power back. Um, Since she did say that the witch that took power is, like, evil. Yeah. Definitely. No, I think there's a lot of loose ends with kind of like the leads and all the power dynamics shifting without the um, Asiri being there, obviously. Another Mm -hmm. monarch that's just on the loose and kind of a cunt, the Viper Queen. Like, yes, I I was like, I was just so convinced. Like, she's obviously like a bitch, but she was also working for good. Like, literally, Therian was like, I'm confused because you literally sent your people to help in Asphodel Meadows to protect the humans during the attack last spring when Bryce sacrifices herself. But, like, then all of a sudden she's, like, blackmailing all of them. Like, Bryce still owes her a favor that she can call in at any point, Mm -hmm. like, for protecting a meal. Like, I I don't know. That the Vipe Queen and the whole the Blood Oath, like, sounds very Maeve-esque, like – yeah right it does sound me best but yeah she's just a kind and so is fucking sabine she killed her dad her poor little like grandfather dad the, the prime he was such a good guy and he was just this little old man and she killed him so we have what like crescent city is just filled with fucking bitches apparently <laughs> but sabine is now dead because ethan killed her good fucking riddance if you actually think about it because Mordok also dies who is danica's like father so now danica her mom and her dad are all dead and the grandfathers and um what's it what and sigrid is also technically dead because she's a reaper so like the fender line is like gone yeah interessante yeah um but like yeah it's just everyone is so Everyone's just so random in this book, like, because then also the River Queen is also, like, a class A cunt, and she, like, wants to kill Therian, but then the second Therian and Santhia, Flynn's sister, who he, like, randomly gets married to on a whim so that she doesn't have to marry the, like, hell twins or the murder twins in Avalon, um, then went the River Queen, like, after hating Therian's guts, wants to help, like, the innocents of Crescent City, 
like just deciding to help him and everyone that was like wait what happened to you wanting to kill him two seconds ago and also being pissed that he got married to a complete stranger especially someone who's fae not even mayor and then also her daughter is so annoying not like girls this is what we don't do therian literally took her virginity like for 10 years avoided marrying her and then married a stranger on a complete whim and when Therian goes oh I'll divorce her and marry you she was like okay and the river queen was like that's not happening babe because she's like oh you're not going for this guy who could give two shits about you um but yeah Therian just kind of like grinded my gears this book he was honestly really selfish like basically left um the boat and like went into avalanche just because he didn't want to be left behind from all of his friends like risking the wrath of the ocean queen on everyone um it's just he was just like annoying and like i know in the end he kind of helped like the fight against the asteri but he was just very selfish to me and i don't really care about what happens to him but yeah i don't he know was, his his pov and his chapters were just like kind of like disappointing overall for me which which was disappointing because i really liked him in the first two books especially on my mm-hmm. rereads i appreciated him a lot more um, yeah so this was kind of a letdown for me but i mean hopefully it's just kind of setting up more character growth and like for sure more involved in in the next yeah. book and like all the rebuilding but and i i do see something with like his relate like cynthia or whatever like I, like being as me and like that's why like they got married on a whim and like they happened to be in the same place at the same time but then also kind of surprised when she leaves him a note and basically like leaves him because he's she says that she's gonna go rescue her like ex-fae lover that's one of the viper queen's assassin bodyguards and then in her note like therian's like the word she used like she's like she left me but at the same time i don't think it's gonna be that easy i do think it was kind of setting up like their story together for the next book definitely Yeah, so uh, along with, like, all of the other, like, just, like, general info dumps that we get throughout this book, another one slash, like, I don't know if I would call this one, like, a cop-out necessarily, but when they're in Avalon and they're in the Fae Archives slash the Cave of Princes, um, I also just love how unserious they are, like, Bryce being like, go Team Caves! Like, literally, Mm -hmm. Bryce's one-liners just send me. They kept saying we should have made t-shirts. Yeah. I just love I just love her she's I'm like can we please be fucking serious for like one second but she's so sassy um yeah so like all of that like it just was like okay yeah so obviously like they summon the princess of hell they have their little tea party with the princess of hell and then the autumn king and the fucking stag king show up and get got (laughs) yes they both die rune fully killing his dad good riddance honestly I really did think that his the dad might have had like a redemption arc but he just proved me so wrong he was an asshole i thought so too i thought we were gonna get more i thought like okay autumn king like is gonna know so much more information he's been studying all of this but then like when bryce goes back to their house like goes from prithian back to his villa and -hmm. like is like long conning him basically into like giving up any information that he knows he was such a dick like, he yeah. was such a dick. I'm like, your daughter is trying to save the world, and you're fucking worried about, like, the politics. He wanted to end up like, on top. Yeah. And he didn't care about Rune dying. He was like, I can have more kids. Like, yeah. so gross. But he's definitely related to Baron. that's for sure. For sure. Yeah, also the confirmation that we get that they were, even though it's the Dusk were, they are descended from the Autumn Court as well, because like um Celine in her whole monologue mentions that Thea was able to recruit 
um Faye from like the southern court with like red hair and and fire autumn. powers yeah 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 definitely I think like just like <laughs> just like generally like again like all of the info dumps like I guess yeah guys like Crescent City like I take it back like it's really overwhelming world building <laughs> yeah we I know me and I talked about this in another episode we were like oh it's not that hard and this one I, I didn't find it hard to follow I just felt like I was like I need to reread this three times and then move on and like close the book and sit on this for a second before I can even move and then like it would change so quickly we'd find something out and all of a sudden it'd be like Therian's POV I was like no I gotta find out more before we move on so it was just very fast paced and like I was like give me a sec SJM I need time to think about this Okay, so if you guys haven't read the bonus chapters, we're going to talk about those for a couple of few minutes. Um, so I personally got the Walmart copy that had the Bryce, Azriel, and Nesta bonus chapter. And this was just like such a fun, silly, goofy little read. So basically the point of it, if you haven't read it, I'm just going to summarize it. So skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. Um, she's Nesta is like, okay, so you have music, like you play just the music, whatever. Can you play more? Um, and so Bryce shows them like all these different genres. Like she plays them her favorite little like folk duo, and then she mm-hmm. plays um, classical music. And Ness and Azriel is like, that sounds like our music, like the classical ballet music. And Nesta's like, shh, like I'm listening. At. <laughs> um, and then she plays them club music, like White Raven club music, and that's Azriel's favorite. He's like, can you play more of your pleasure hall music? <laughs> and Bryce is like. Are you a club rat, Azrael? <laughs> he like Azrael would be like the techno, like God, like Berlin vibes. Like he's so going. Funny. What's that famous Berlin club that everyone like? Berlin. Yeah, like yeah, he's, Berghain, Berghain. Berghain, I think it is. Like he is. We need to make a TikTok about that. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Yeah, I think yeah. it literally ends with like they like Bryce is like, and I could have sworn that like Azriel is subtly nodding his head along to the music, and the shadows are dancing. He's doing like you know like the frat flick that guys do. Like I feel like if you you can't see me on the pod, but it's like the it's like he's like. Literally, I just imagine him doing that. Like, he's now, like, going to be listening to it in his head. I would love to go clubbing with Asriel. Just, like, a hot man in general, but. Yes. No, I love it. And, like, I, it also, like, there's kind of, like, a line where Bryce is, like, oh, after Nesta asks, like, can you play, can you play more of your music? Bryce is, like, it seemed like it was, like, a personal, like, tentative question. Like, not something she would normally ask. And I'm, like, oh. They feel so comfortable around each other, even though they're trying to kill each other sometimes. Um, <laughs> even though they kind of hate each other. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, sleeper favorite. I was not expecting this. My favorite bonus chapter, potentially of all of the bonus chapters for all of SJM, is the Ember and Randall bonus chapter. So it's about their time, their, like, day during the battle um, where Ember and Randall stay with Nesta and Prithian in the inner court. Or the inner circle and they're at the house of wind and you we kind of get on to this like in in the in the um, normal plot line where when they open the portal back up to get um ember and randall and bring them back home ember gives nesta this big hug and bryce is like it seems like nesta needs a motherly hug or like it's been a long time mm-hmm. maybe never since she's had a motherly hug um and so the bonus chapter just like gives a little bit more insight into it and Ember reads Resan to absolute filth. She's like, you can fuck the fuck off and leave her alone. And everyone is literally like, 
like like Azriel like is like choking on a laugh like while she's like arguing with them and then like Resand is like your daughter like schemed and lied and manipulated and she's like yeah she's always been like that like imagine trying to deal with that in a one-year-old and then like they all just like laugh mm-hmm. <laughs> Ember's an icon she's just an I- icon she's a legend yeah we you know where Bryce moment. gets it from and I do love the nod in the regular plotline as well where they talk about how Randall like first of all how he does it's like the like fatherly pat on the back to Cassian like he's just like boys with Cassian and then also they're like yeah like he got really he him and Reese really connected over being overprotective like about like Nix and Bryce and like Cooper so I was like not Randall being boys with the inner court like so literally so funny that's why it just sent me like it was so out of left field like out of like Ember and Randall were the last people that I would have expected to interact with the inner circle compared mm-hmm. to everyone else so it's so yeah. interesting yeah, yeah also a shock <laughs> of her like pushing them through into the portal to Prithians so that they would be safe and especially without Emil slash Cooper I was like oh yeah. no they're being uh, separated again also literally made me like had me crying that like cooper emil had only been living with them for like a few months and they were like he's our son like she left mm-hmm. our son behind i was like oh. i know i did in the end of the book when bryce called him cooper i was like why doesn't he just go back to emil but yeah i guess like they've it'll keep him protected but true yeah. Yeah, no, so, like, Ember Randall, literally, like, I love them. Like, I could use, like, a whole freaking novella about them. I just love them mm-hmm, so about, much. About, like, how they met and, like, fell in love. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I would yeah. like that as well, the sharpshooter. Um, yeah. But, okay, yeah, that was our little nod to the bonus chapters. And then we want to talk about, if you guys listened to our last episode, the Massiverse Super Bowl episode, basically us coming up with all of our theories ahead of Crescent City 3. We just want to dive into quickly what came true that we like hypothesized. Um, and I think most of it did come true. Um, I think the only thing that was a little different than what we had talked about was we thought that like Hunt, even though it was very confusing how he basically was bred by the princes of hell, but also like they're not his father. Like he was bred by two angels, but then somehow got like, things in princess of hell to have his lightning power because it's powerful to kill it's powerful enough to kill a mystery but that was just confusing but me and i did think that maybe he was like descended from like thur or like a reincarnation of him like the god thur but you know that wasn't the case but it also didn't really make sense so still kind of confused about that but what yeah. did come true was the Selene and helena lore and just everything about thea like obviously confirmed that the prison was the missing dusk core and then you know like they're all all the fey um are descended in the world of midgard or you know the fey that are from prithian are descended from the dusk core so but i did love how rice and nesta when they're hearing thea or Celine like talk about the lore for like the 10 minute monologue they're like this bitch also Thea being like a kind that killed her own husband King Fion so definitely not descended from the best family um but it just proves Bryce's point where she's like some Fae are just not good people but there are good Fae out there yeah you know that like 
you know that audio from like Dr. Doofenshmirtz that's like, if I had a nickel for every time an ancient ancient female ancestor was an absolute fucking bitch and screwed over her descendants, I'd have two nickels. Weird that it happened twice. Like, <gasps> Thea is so Elena Galathinius coded, and I mm-hmm. hate that girl. So, <laughs> yeah. And, like, I know, like, her mate was Prince Edis, like, from hell. So we kind of she did in the end try to help her people and yeah. get them away from these dairy so like they sjm like plans their adoption arc but it's just in my mind i'm like mm. yeah. just because you try to be better in the end doesn't make you a good person um but yeah, yeah obviously we got the descendant bryce and rune trying to make everything right like what is it with these fey ancestors being like we're gonna make our descendants have to pay for our like sins you know yeah um, like Aelin and Galathinius descended from Elena and Throne of Glass. But we also just wanted to like quickly point out that even though we kind of already know this, um, Thea being mates with Prince Aedis, obviously they're a different species, so it does prove that like different species can be mates, but it also proves that your mate can be in a completely different world. Um, yeah. Which is kind of crazy, and I wonder if we'll be seeing anything else like that. Yeah, which is nuts. I also, like, I low-key am a Prince Ada stan. I love him so much. Like, the fact that for 15,000 years, he's been waiting to help Midgard and, like, beg. But also, this is, like, kind of funny with, like, the Princess of Hell, like, saving the day. Like, had me cracking up that, like, Apollyon, like, the most feared Prince of Hell, like, most powerful being in their universe, is literally just, like, you know, smiling, cracking a laugh, like, being like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll eat another (laughs) series. yeah they he's just, like, like decided to show up and he's like now i can like get my brother off my back like mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. helping um which is yeah. sweet and then basically it's confirmed so celine is as we talked about she's the missing daughter that basically history forgot about because they have or they the history said that Thea was the queen of the dust core like you know and then she had one daughter Helena, but there's like a missing daughter, and then it's confirmed that the missing daughter, Celine, went back to Prithian when the first fight against the Asteri happened. And then she basically um from the Night Court became like married someone from the Night Court. So also Reese is descended from Celine and the Dusk Court. So Bryce and Rune are confirmed to be distantly related to um Reesand. But it's kind of crazy that we got like all of this confirmed in the one monologue again um yeah also interesting because bryce points out because Azrael is like holy shit you're just you're descended from king fire and like the last high king of prithian and mm-hmm. bryce is like oh shit like would reason see me as a potential threat like with a claim to a throne yeah, like exactly. she's like not that i'm interested like she just wants to go back to midgard but like it does confirm like bryce literally could have ended up as like a high queen of prithian which like did not see that journey for her regardless but yeah that also i think sets up some interesting points for akatar six because it's like yeah. con- confirmed confirmed as reese is descended from king fion yeah and he literally has stars in his eyes which i know is like night core but it's also dusk core um yeah. starborn so yeah he's starborn but i am curious to see if we ever get more crossover if like this will be addressed but obviously this is why too when at the end is crescent city 2 when reese walks into the room um with bryce she's like i thought it was ruined at first because of the relations there and and Azrael says that celine looks just like reese's sister mm-hmm. i like almost i like had to like shut the book for a moment i was like that is so sad because i was so convinced so convinced 
that Reese's sister is Rune's mom. And so then I was really sad when that wasn't the yeah. case. Yeah. Oh, that theory didn't come true either, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. But like partially. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then other than all of our dust court lore, we also had just like the dread trove lore. So it's basically confirmed that the horn is the fourth missing dead trove item. And that also, since Bryce has the horn in her back, she's kind of like made because all these items are made. Basically how Nesta and Elaine are and Farah are made Faye because they were made in the cauldron. And that's part of the reason why Nesta can wield the mask because she like took power from the cauldron. But Bryce can also wield the mask because she has the protection from like the horn in her back. So she doesn't lose her soul while she uses it. Yeah. Also, the Dread Trove confirmed being that the Asteri used the cauldron to make the Dread Trove. Um, and then Thea and Fion dipping Gwydion into it on the slopes of Ramiel. Celine having Ramiel mentioned in her 10-minute fucking monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, and Azrael being in, like, the Asteri. I'm forgetting her name right now. But the Asteri calling um asriel their foot soldiers like very very interesting mm-hmm. very interesting yeah oh yeah this this theory that they found underneath the prison um, yeah. also not nesta killing that bitch with her silver flames and ataraxia Slay. our girl comes to save the day as always but yes i mean it's obviously confirmed too that the asteri were the same as the daglin in the prithian world um and then when Azriel and Nesta were like, did you know she was under here? Like, why would you let this Siri Daglin out of the, like, sarcophagus? Um, but, yeah, obviously Nesta comes to the rescue. And then Bryce, that's when Bryce pieces the fuck out. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they literally slayed Asteri and Bryce is like, so good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like... You can deal. Like my time here is over. <laughs> yeah, she's like my. Oh, you're gonna tell Reesan what happened. Gotta go. Bye. Um, yeah. But yeah, but then and then she steals Truth Teller. Mm-hmm. But that does also pr- like prove that Truth Teller fulfills the prophecy um, of when the Star Sword, Gwydion, and Truth Teller are combined, then they can kill the Asteri or the Daglin. Yeah. And also, this might be something I'm forgetting her Akatar, but how did Asriel get a truth teller if it's like this really important it was a it was an heirloom item. of the night court and Reese's mm-hmm. dad gave it to Asriel when he appointed him spy master during the war mm-hmm. the original war um but it also made me had me thinking that the prophecy of fulfilling the prophecy of when we're united so shall our people be it wasn't just reconnecting with the Prithian Fae it was bringing together all of the Fae of Midgard like that's mm-hmm. how Bryce like it, that it, oh my god it yeah just, not I her just literally chills, creating chills. the Fae like world in Midgard democracy, like, like a, a democracy, democracy. Yeah. a senate a senate so funny um but yeah and then also just like it confirms that Lydia we talked about one of our theories was Lydia being descended or like related to um Aelin Galathinius from Throne of Glass so that obviously is confirmed through like her wildfire powers and then being a descendant of Brannon um but and then I think like just our theories were like we got to find out what Jespa is so we find that out I didn't foresee that being her backstory I think that was actually a, a good plot twist there um and then Ethan becoming prime wasn't necessarily like on my bingo card, but like I did know that something big was in the store for him. So, you know, I just I I feel like we were pretty 
on the nose with our theories though Mia yeah I'm honestly pretty proud of us like for not the amount of crossover that we got we were expecting I think our theories were really spot on and so that does give me hope that we'll see more from all of the other things in future series potentially knock on wood everybody manifests Sarah can confirm her new series is going to be Twilight of the Gods or something akin to that that she's been planning as like the mega crossover crossover series but we'll have to wait to see that yeah, I need my Avengers uh, SJM yeah. movies yeah. slash books. Um, but, like, with that, I think what we can expect from Crescent City Forge to, like, lightly touch on that and, like, what we're hoping to see, I definitely think that it's going to be House of Many Waters. Like, I think that just makes sense. Like, it's going to be the last house. Um, I think that there's a lot of unresolved things, like, Bryce's and Hunt's storylines are wrapped up really nicely. So I almost mm-hmm. think Crescent City 4 is going to be more like Silver Flames where it's going to follow. And obviously it's like multi-pov. So it's going to mm-hmm. follow the other characters like Therian and Ariadne's kind of ending confrontation. Um, Like I think she's going to be important. Also not Ariadne being like uh, – or Jezebel telling Bryce, yeah, Ariadne's dragon fire is like – the one of the only th- ways that uh, a prince of hell can be harmed and then like nothing coming of that um yeah like what was that for i guess like, we gotta see yeah so like ariadne i think is gonna be important obviously ethan and the wolves um are gonna be important the ocean queen and like river queen and basically just like all of the house of many waters and the mare rebuilding like all of the first light grid stuff happening and them yes, trying them to work out with the ocean like- queen we're gonna we might fall back to like the times like that Avalon was stuck in and have to use candles and not have our technology like we know they're gonna figure something out but we gotta see also Apaxia working on the antidote so that everyone in Midgard can take it and get their full powers back like we gotta see how much that is like doled out to everyone um and then of course it does end on the note see this is when Crescent City 3 ended so sweetly like there was nothing really there's no like real plot twist or like cliffhanger um but when Baxian like basically Bryce and Hunt are trying to fuck and I was like oh are we getting like a sex scene to end this book um kind of like out of left field but okay I'm here for it and then of course they get interrupted from a call from Baxian and I'm like oh this is it this is when the other shoe drops and he's like Pegasus is Avalyn, come now. And they're like, Hunt and Bryce are like, Jelly Jubilee, we're coming now. Like, it's just literally, no, obsessed. Obsessed. <laughs> Avalyn and the Pegasuses. If you listen to our last episode, I went on a whole tirade of the Pegasuses, the Pegasi, if you will. So <laughs> I thought that was just like the sweetest, cutest way to end on that note. And we love this book so much even though we've obviously had our little rants about our gripes and our qualms but like it's not a Mm -hmm. good book and a good read and a good story like unless you have a reaction to it so I just want to say like I know that there's like a lot of discourse going around right now of people being very disappointed that it wasn't as much of a crossover and then like I think people have kind of been responding that like we played ourselves by like going off into all these different theories worlds but like I just want to say, like, that's, like, what's so fun about this fandom is, like, sharing our excitement about it. And so everyone, like, if you're upset that it wasn't as much of a crossover, I think that's completely valid. Um, And if you're, you know, disappointed with that, that's completely valid. But, like, overall, like, our this is, like, literally the point of why we started this podcast. Like, we're just, like, so passionate about, like, this community and, like, connecting as readers. And so, like, I hope at the end of the day, like, we can all come back to, like, 
the fact that we love this book. We love Sarah J. Mass. She's literally our Lord and Savior. And yeah. that's that. Exactly. And I think just to add on to that and, you know, finalize here, obviously me and I are obsessed with SJM. We're probably going to love every single book she puts out, but this is a book podcast where we review, like we're going to be honest with our reviews. We're going to say what we loved, what we didn't love. Like obviously if a book's perfect and we have no notes, then we have no notes. But like, just because SJM is our Lord and Savior doesn't mean we'll be real with you guys and say, like, our honest thoughts. So definitely, you know, like I said, I wouldn't say Crescent City 3 was my favorite SJM book ever. But, like, will I reread it probably multiple times? Yes. Will I be thinking about this for months and months? Yes. So hope you guys will continue listening as we dive into other SJM books ahead of all the other books and series that she has coming out. On the next episode of Reading and Ranting, we'll be talking about to finish or not to finish, which is referencing whether you absolutely hate a book and you force yourself to finish it anyways, Or if you're like me and you DNF and you're like, I'm not enjoying this, I'm done. Mia and I are different here, so we'll be talking about some of our thoughts. And also, Do It For The Bit is something that Mia and I personally take into our lives every day. I love a good bit, so we'll be talking about some of our favorite stories, um, as well as maybe some bits that we have in store for the upcoming year. Yeah. And we're always looking for book recs, so if you have a suggestion, shoot us a DM on TikTok at Reading and Ranting Pod or email readingandrantingpod at gmail.com. Until next time, happy reading, besties. <laughs>